0: Well, it's good to be together this morning. Thank you for being here. Uh, we are in a series this morning uh, that we've entitled Doctrines of Demons. And uh, we kicked the series off last week uh, by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes about something pretty disturbing. Uh, he writes about those that would be following after doctrines of demons. And Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he says this, he says, Some will be departing from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. We talked about how important it is for us to understand that truth and understand the devotion that is present to so much in our world today, in our culture today, in our nation today, that is contrary to the Word of God and the, the glory of God. Um, it's important for us to understand that we are living in a world that is lost without Jesus Christ. Uh, as we venture into this series, "Doctrines of Demons," our desire is through looking at the Scriptures, looking at God's Word, that we would see so much of what is happening in the world around us—the denial of Jesus Christ as Savior, the pool. And temptation of pulling individuals away from the truth of the gospel to believing a lie. The, the, so much of what is being uh, produced in our culture, what is being taught in our culture is not just uh, untruths. It's not just contrary to what God says. But so much of what is being taught and accepted and followed is demonic. It is of the devil who opposes God. And who desires to oppose God and desires to remove glory from God. And so we're looking at that in this series. This morning we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1. You can turn there, Galatians chapter 1. It's page 972 in your pew Bible if you're using that. Uh, You can turn there to Galatians chapter 1. And we want to look at verses 1 through 12 as we continue this series. Galatians chapter 1 verses 1 through 12. Paul the Apostle is writing here, and he says this as he begins this great letter uh, to the believers here, the churches of Galatia. And he says this, verse 1, chapter 1 Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Verse 8, but even if we... For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to look at this great text this morning as we continue this series in Doctrines of Demons. And the message this morning will be focused on false gospels, universalism, and moral relativism. And I believe we see so much of that in our world today. Um, there is an event that's coming up that a lot of people have circled on their calendars for February twelfth, two thousand twenty-three, in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, that is the NFL Super Bowl. That is the what's called the World Championship for football, and that's on February twelfth, two thousand twenty-three. And people have already started making plans or have plans for that. Event. There are sports fans, football fans that are hoping their teams will go to that event, but only two teams will go. But people are making plans, uh, reserving hotels uh, so that they have a place to stay, booking their airline tickets so that they have flights to get there. And in addition to doing all of that, there's all kinds of pre-Super Bowl activities and things that they want to partake of and be a part of, and the excitement is building for any football fan for that uh, super event, which is one of the biggest events of the year. And there is one other element that is really important as they're planning for that event, and that is to get Super Bowl tickets. If you get the Super Bowl tickets, I don't even know how it works, um, before the aftermarket markup, you might be able to get them for, I guess what would be considered decent prices. But if you have to buy a Super Bowl ticket after the markup, you're going to pay a lot of money for those tickets. In particular, if you get very good seats. And people have been known to dish out hundreds of thousands of dollars for the right ticket. But can you imagine with me if you were, I don't know, say a Buffalo Bills fan. And you hope that your team would make it to the Super Bowl. And you had planned on that for, you know, 41 years of them winning a Super Bowl, okay? And you hope that they get there. And so as you are hoping for that to happen, I was going to use the Browns example, but I want it to be somewhat realistic. And so if you are planning for that, and you are planning for that, and you've done that for years and you have, you have looked forward and you've circled a date on your calendar and you've saved money and you cleared your schedule and you've booked your hotel and you've booked your plane tickets and you have searched out just the right ticket that you want for that game and you go online after markup and dish out a ton of money for that right ticket. You get it in the mail or you get it on your phone and you are so excited and the day comes for that game. And you fly out to, to, to Glendale and you're there and you've participated in all the pre-Super Bowl activities and you have enjoyed the Super Bowl activities leading up to the Super Bowl. And you get to the game and you pull out your ticket and you are all decked out in your gear. You're wearing the jersey. You got your face painted. Uh, you have everything going for you and you present your ticket and the person taking the ticket says, I'm sorry, that's a counterfeit ticket. You can't come in. How devastating would that be? That is exactly what is happening today. When it comes to what people are preparing for, trusting in, and believing when it comes to their access to heaven and eternity. And many people will show up expecting one thing. Only to be told what they have believed in, committed to, dedicated themselves to is counterfeit. It's counterfeit. Friends, there are many false gospels, beliefs, religions, and teachings today that many people are believing whose end result will be destruction. An eternal separation from God on that day. And we have the truth of the gospel. We have the real thing. What are we doing with it? What are we doing with the truth? In Galatians chapter 1, Paul begins in verses 3 to 5 by saying, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Can I just encourage you with something before we go any further this morning with this series of doctrines of demons, before we look at false gospels, universalism, moral relativism, all of these things that are of the devil, all of these things that are demonic in nature, that separate and further pull people from God, Could I just encourage you with something this morning? We have the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the good news concerning Jesus that, yes, Jesus Christ did live a perfect, sinless life. Yes, Jesus Christ did come on mission to accomplish the will of the Father. Yes, Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Yes, he was crucified. He died. He was buried. And yes, he rose again the third day in great victory, showing forth that he truly is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Yes, if you call upon the name of Jesus, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be forgiven of your sins. You'll be a child of God. You'll have everlasting life. It's the greatest news we can share. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only true gospel. We got it. You have it if you know him. And everyone around you, look to your right right now. Look to your left right now. I understand if you're doing it, you're looking at the back of people's heads because if they're doing the same thing. But wherever you look, when you go home today, when you go to the store today, when you go to work tomorrow, everywhere you step foot, everywhere you go, every person you come in contact with, with no exception, needs the gospel of Christ. Everyone needs it. There's no exception to that. Everyone needs Jesus. And if they don't have Jesus, they don't have life. They don't have forgiveness. They don't have access to the Father. They don't have access to heaven. They have no eternity with God. And there are so many people that are making so many plans. And they're wearing all the right gear for the one that they think they're worshiping and following. But if it's not in Jesus, they have nothing. It's counterfeit. It's fake. There's no entrance there. And it's, it's, it's terrible to think about, and people don't like to think about it, but it's the truth. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, can save. He's it. There is no alternative plan. There's no other savior. There's no other hope if you're here today and you are hoping that maybe there is just a backdoor entrance to heaven. You're hoping maybe someone will be there and they'll be like, we'll make an exception for you. It's not happening. It's not going to happen. That's true of every single person in this room, in this church, in every other church in this country and around this world. It's true of every individual walking the face of the planet today that only Jesus can save them. And we have that truth. We believe that. And why are we so content then to stay silent about that? Why are we so content to not with great urgency proclaim that? Because it's not a question Does everybody need him. They do. But does everybody that knows him want to share him? And unfortunately, the case is so often we don't. That should change. And I hope this morning as a result of God's word and our understanding of what is happening in the world that will change for us. False gospels, universalism, and moral relativism here. Let me just give us some definitions. False gospels defined. uh, There's a lot of ways you can define this. The way I'm defining is any teaching that proclaims salvation is found outside of faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone. Any teaching, any religion, any spiritual leader, any uh, leader that would proclaim a way to heaven apart from the faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, by the grace of God alone, is a false gospel. Moral relativism defined. Moral relativism is the view that moral judgments are true or false only relative to some particular standpoint, for instance, that of a culture or historical period, and that no standpoint is uniquely privileged over all others. It's from the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy, a peer-reviewed academic resource. As an academic resource. The way they're defining moral relativism is that there is no standpoint uniquely privileged over all others. Everything is relative. Everything is uh, relative even when it comes to morality. More easily defined so that we put it in simpler terms. Moral relativism is the idea that there are no absolute rules To determine whether something is right or wrong. Do you see the problem with moral relativism that is being embraced in our culture today? There's no set of standards. There's no set of quote-unquote rules. There's no authority really, truly for what happens in life or how we are to live our lives independent of the individual who determines that for themselves because you have no right to tell me what is authoritative. You have no right to tell me who or what speaks and should be listened to. Universalism is defined as the belief in the salvation of all souls. It's a theological doctrine that all human beings will eventually be saved. That's just not true according to God's word. Now there are very well-known spiritual leaders who have made statements to the contrary. There are very well-known spiritual leaders of various religious organizations that have made statements to say that you can believe whatever you want to believe and so long as you hardly believe in it, there's no reason God will not let you into heaven. There have been statements made that even the atheist who rejects Jesus Christ will eventually be forgiven by God because God is loving and will bring all people into his home. Friends, these are false teachings. Universalism is a false teaching. Moral relativism is a false teaching. And it's gripped our society, our culture, our nation, and our world. And these things need to be rejected and we need to be aware that these things exist. So let me just challenge us in a few ways with a few thoughts from the passage in Galatians 1 this morning. The first challenge of truth I have for us to understand is that there is but one true gospel. Would you say that with me? There is but one true gospel. In Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 and 7, we've already read it. Paul says, "I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ." And are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. Not that there is another one. Paul's challenging the believer who has received Christ. And he's received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they're being persuaded. They're being persuaded by false teachers. And those that have come in to the church. And those that are even trying to draw away those that are within the church to another gospel or to a different gospel, to back to Judaism and, and back to the, the understanding of a works-based merit with God and salvation. And Paul's saying, I'm astonished you're so quickly removed from him who called you in the grace of Christ to another different gospel, but there is no other gospel. There truly is no other true good news for salvation and for the salvation of men. But they were deserting, and I think it's important for us to understand this morning that there is but one true gospel message. There is but one true message of salvation. And again, no matter what our background is or what religious affiliation we've been associated with or where we've attended church or who we're listening to, no matter how great the individual is by way of standards of society. If anything that is coming out of the mouth of a spiritual leader or teacher is contrary to the truth of God's word and the gospel of Jesus Christ, it shouldn't be listened to and followed. And sometimes we can blur the lines there. Sometimes we can say, well, maybe they're okay. They're not. I think we're going to see as we continue on that it's not just that they're misinformed. It's not just that they're saying something that doesn't quite align with God's word. If anyone is proclaiming a gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ for salvation, if they're proclaiming any good news of salvation outside of Jesus, it's not just contrary to what God's word says, it's demonic, it's of the devil and should be rejected. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm sorry, chapter 15 Verses 1 through 5, Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised up on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Paul is reminding the Corinthian believers. He's reminding the Corinthian believers of the gospel that they've received, the gospel by which they are saved, the gospel by which any other individual will be saved saved. That Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, and rose again according to the scriptures. Why would Paul put such an emphasis on this with the Corinthian believers? Why would he put such an emphasis on this with the believers in Thessalonica? Why would he put such an emphasis with the believers uh, of the churches in Galatia? Why? Why would he exalt the gospel? Why would he proclaim the gospel? Why would he highlight the gospel. Why would he bring everybody in? Why would he, he literally, uh, in, in writing form, bring everything back to that truth? Why? Because Paul knew and proclaimed that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, and that there is no other gospel but that. That's it. There's but one And we live in a day and age, a society, a world where the preaching and proclamation of the world is believe whatever you want to believe and you'll be okay with God. It's a lie. It's a lie that the devil championed in Genesis. It's a lie that is being championed around the world. You're okay just as you are. You are not okay just as you are. I'm not okay left as I am. You, I, everyone needs God's Son, Jesus Christ. There's but one true gospel. And Paul makes mention of that. And I think it's important for us to understand a number of truths. That any teaching that is contrary to what we see in Scripture is false and should be rejected. Any teaching that is contrary to what we see in Scripture is false and should be rejected. Why? Because men and women here, children of God here... This is God's word. It's eternal. It's authoritative. It just matters more than what we think, than what anyone else thinks. And so any teaching that is contrary to what we see in scripture is false and should be rejected. Let me go a step further. Any teaching that espouses salvation apart from faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ alone, is a false gospel and should be rejected. Any teaching that would say you are saved by what you do or what works you can do. Any teaching that says that you earn favor or merit with God by what you do and what you can offer to God. Any teaching that says you can buy your way to heaven. Any teaching that says you don't need Jesus is false teaching. It's a lie and it should be rejected. But let me even go a step further. Any teaching that espouses salvation apart from faith alone, by grace alone, and Christ alone is not from God, but is from the devil. It's lies. It's that which will lead people to death and destruction. It's of the enemy. And so what that means is you can have the nicest, calmest, Most peaceful person that you've ever met tell you that the way to have forgiveness and be right with God is through personal meditation. You can have the nicest, sweetest, most kind, peaceful, loving person tell you the way to salvation and forgiveness. The way to a right relationship with God is to keep all of these standards And rules. And seek personal holiness. And you'll be right with God. That the individual that has shown up at church. Day after day after day. Believing that by doing so. They are making themselves right with God. That what they are believing. What they are receiving. Is not just. Contrary to what God's word says. But it's demonic teaching and of the devil he is a liar and he has been a liar from the beginning he opposes all that is glorifying to Jesus Christ and he promotes lies it is of the enemy the devil and I think it's time that we wake up to that false teaching false teachers and false religions are demonic. They are the work of Satan. Sometimes that's hard for us to process because some religions can just seem really nice. But let us understand what is true of the end result of anyone that accepts that teaching of a false gospel. It's the lake of fire. It's eternal separation from God and punishment. First Timothy four, one to two. Spirit expressly says, in latter times some will depart from the faith, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. You know what we sometimes miss in verse two of chapter four? That real people will be the ones teaching these teachings of demons. This is of the devil. It's demonic. And there is but one message that can free people. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is but one true gospel. Now, this should go without saying point two, but if that's true, demonic gospels should be exposed and condemned. Demonic gospels should be exposed and condemned. If you look back at Galatians chapter 1, moving on to verses 8 and 9, Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, and again, Paul's already established there is no other gospel truly, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now that word accursed and uh, some translations, you might have the word anathema in it. It's defined as a thing devoted to God without hope of being redeemed. Therefore, a person or thing doomed to destruction. It's what Paul is saying in this passage. That if anyone is preaching another gospel other than the gospel of Jesus Christ that they had received, let him be doomed to destruction. Very strong language that Paul is using here it's very strong he's very passionate about this reality and you can tell that he is very passionate about it because he says in verse 6 as he began this particular section i am astonished that you are moving away so quickly from what you have received to another gospel which truly is not another gospel and he's so passionate about this and so sincere about this that he would tell them Let anyone who is preaching another gospel be condemned, doomed to destruction, the destruction of hell. Passage that's found in Revelation chapter 20. That is not a very comforting passage if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 10 through 15, we read, The devil who had deceived them... Was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. The devil, the great deceiver, the one who is promoting, the one who is espousing all of this false teaching and false religion. The one who is proclaiming and teaching to bring into question all that God has said. The one who even from Genesis' account of the fall of man is bringing into question the truth of God for a lie. The one who is promoting that destruction and death will not come. That that devil, that deceiver will be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and false prophet were. They'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. Let me just correct something quickly before we move on here because I think there's a lot of incorrect thinking. The devil is not going to be ruling in hell. A lot of people have this opinion of Satan that Satan's going to be in hell with a pitchfork and the red outfit and the horns on his ears or on his head. And he's going to be down there and he's going to be poking people with a pitchfork being like, you better work harder. Satan has no authority in eternity in the lake of fire. He will be tormented day and night as punishment in the lake of fire. That's what this passage says, and that should be comforting for you as a believer. But here's what's not comforting if you're not a believer. Verse 11 says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it from his presence, earth and sky fled away. What an incredible scene. No place was found for them, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. All are standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And listen to verse 15. And I want this to ring in our heads, in our thoughts, in our minds. I want this to keep us up at night because it should. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life... He was thrown into the lake of fire. That should trouble us as believers when we stay silent about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been deceived even as believers in Christ into thinking that there are good people who reject Jesus that will be okay with God. That is a lie of the enemy to believe. We have been deceived into thinking that as long as someone wholeheartedly believes in what they believe in, they'll be okay. Friends, it's not my words, it's God's word that says that is not true. That teaching is demonic. It's a lie. It's of the devil. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to one we preached, let him be accursed. Why? Because any gospel they're preaching that is embraced and believed in, that offers hope and salvation apart from Christ is a lie, and the end result will be the lake of fire for all of eternity. That is not of God. That teaching is not of God that you can access him any other way. That teaching is not of God that you'll be okay apart from Jesus. The teaching is not of God that if you're a good person, God will let you in. It's of the devil. It's demonic. It should be exposed and it should be condemned. Consider this. There is an estimated to be over 4,000 religions in the world today. About 85% of the world's population identifies with a religious group. The five most predominant religions globally are Christianity, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism. 85% of the world's population identifies with a religious group. Those are the five most prominent religions globally today. I need to say something about this. The messages of salvation currently espoused by all major and minor religions of the world today that deny Jesus Christ alone as Savior are false, deceptive, and demonic. All of the major religions of the world, and even those that would categorize themselves as following Christianity, if the belief they are embracing denies Jesus Christ alone as Savior, they are false, deceptive, and demonic. Any religion or belief that teaches salvation is earned, bought, or received apart from grace through faith in Christ is false and demonic teaching because it is a lie and it leads to destruction. Any religion or belief that denies Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come in the flesh... And alone is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, is false and demonic. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 21 to 23, John says, I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one... No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. You know what John says in that passage in 1 John chapter 2? He says, anyone that denies Jesus is anti-Christ. He's against Christ. He's of their father, the devil, that denies Jesus Christ. In 1 John chapter 4, Verses 1 through 3, the passage that we've looked at and that we've established at the latter part of verse 2, it says, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. But any spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not from God. Do we understand this? Do we recognize this? This is the truth of God's word. And that's what people are believing in. Demonic gospels should be exposed and condemned because they all lead to condemnation and punishment. I have to go quickly. Number three, as servants of Christ, we should have a singular allegiance. Look at verses 10 to 12. Paul says, Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. As servants of Christ, we should have a singular allegiance. Paul said, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not from man, it's from God. I received it through revelation of Jesus Christ. I am a servant of Christ, he says. Do I seek the approval of man? Do I seek to be pleasing to man? He says, no, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Listen to me as church, you have to listen to this. We cannot be a servant of Jesus Christ and at the same time care more about the world than Christ. We cannot be a true servant and follower of Jesus and at the same time care and follow more what the world desires and wants than what Christ wants. Can't do both. We can't say that we love God and yet hate our brother. We can't say that we love Christ and yet not keep his commandments. We cannot say that we believe in the gospel of Christ, but we don't believe we should share the gospel of Christ. It doesn't work. Let me just tell us why we're not here. We're not here to please the world. You're not here to please the world. I'm not here to please the world. We're not here to be accepted by the world. You're not here to be accepted by the world we're not here to be simply friendly with people not telling you not to be friendly but that's not the end all goal it's not just a good day if you're rubbing shoulders with those that are lost and have rejected christ and you're like man i'm just really friends with them that's great but do they know jesus because they can be a friend to you to the day that they die and still go to hell if they don't know jesus That's not why we're here. We're not here to make people feel good. We're not here to make ourselves feel good. Those are why we are not here. We're not here to please. We're not here to be accepted. We're not here to be simply friendly. We're not here to make people feel good or make ourselves feel good. That's not why we're here. Here's why we are here we are here to serve Jesus Christ. We're here to proclaim the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're here to love the Lord our God. We're here to love others. We're here to shine as lights in the darkness. That's why we are here. To summarize this, we are here to glorify Jesus Christ in word and in deed. We are here to be all about Jesus. That's why we're here. To make him known, and as servants of Jesus Christ, we should have a singular allegiance. It is not to gain wealth and popularity. It's not to be uh, liked by people. It's not to feel good about ourselves or to make others feel good. It's not so that people who have rejected Jesus will still feel okay because we didn't offend because of the gospel. That's not why we're here. We're here to glorify him and to be his servants. And it's time as a believer in Christ that we start living that out, myself included. Because real people are believing real false teaching. And they're hoping on that day they'll be all geared up in all of their paraphernalia of what they've believed in with what they think is a legitimate Ticket to get into heaven, and what they're gonna hear is that everything you've believed in, everything you've received, everything that you have dedicated your life to is counterfeit. It doesn't work. And how tragic. How long that line will be while you and I walk past all of these people that we've had opportunity to share with. And we're in. Not because we are good or because we've done anything right, but because of the grace of God. In Jesus Christ. There is but one true gospel. Demonic gospel should be exposed and condemned. And as servants of Christ, we should have a singular allegiance. If that is not our allegiance, that needs to change today.